Now Mr. Bagthorpe was faced with the alternative of using the recorder or else doing nothing at all for the next few weeks. He had obviously come round to the idea that he must use the machine, however infernal. He did not, however, wish the family to know this, because he was not good at climbing down. His stock, he must have felt, was already low. He had been wrong about being able to do a headstand, and he had been wrong about Zero being able to fetch sticks. A third public humiliation might loosen his grip on the household altogether. Mr. Bagthorpe simply could not afford to be seen to be fallible three times in a row. Accordingly, he had sneaked out with the recorder under his good arm, and concealed himself in the long grass of the meadow to unburden his thoughts. Jack later got a sight of the cassette in question. It had written on it, with true Bagthorpian modesty, "'Great thoughts! Do not erase!' Mr. Bagthorpe said, or Mr. Bagthorpe had, he said, been getting nicely into his stride when Jack and Zero had intervened. Jack and Zero stayed in the fields all morning, and so Mr. Bagthorpe got his side of the story in first. He had obviously elaborated it a little, and that, combined with his crippled state, had enlisted the sympathy of the rest of the Bagthorpes, who were in any case feeling threatened by Jack's claims to prophetic status. Grandma was the only one on Jack's side, and it was obvious even to him that this was because she was being cross-grained, a clear indication that her breathing had not done much for her so far. "'How could you, Jack?' Mrs. Bagthorpe exclaimed reproachfully as he slunk into lunch, having safely ensconced Zero in his bedroom again to guard the pile of comics. "'I didn't do it on purpose,' Jack said. "'I'm sorry, I really am. It was a terrible thing to happen.' "'A terrible thing to happen,' he says,' said Mr. Bagthorpe, staring dully at his stew. Mrs. Bagthorpe was trying to organize meals that could be eaten with a fork only. "'It's the end of me!' "'Nonsense, Henry,' said his wife. "'It's just a minor setback. I shall take both you and father into Isham this afternoon, and he shall be fitted for a new aid, and you shall choose a new microphone.' "'Don't you put me in the same category with him,' said Mr. Bagthorpe ungratefully. "'I'm not completely helpless yet, thank you.' "'Atlanta and I are getting on beautifully,' Tess now said. "'Aren't we, Atlanta?' Atlanta nodded and smiled and said, "'Ya, ya, beautiful!' And William stared at her, with a forkful of stew halfway to his mouth. "'Why don't we get a muzzle for that hellhound while we're at it?' Mr. Bagthorpe rarely listened to anyone else's brisk and lively interchange of views and opinions. "'Now he can fetch sticks,' "'which, for Pete's sake, so can any other dog in England. "'He's worse than when he couldn't. "'It's gone to his head. "'God knows what he'll fetch next if he's not curbed.' "'Perhaps you could look into your little crystal ball and tell us,' "'said William to Jack. "'How do you know about that?' "'Saw it,' replied William. "'Your room's not sacrosanct, you know. "'And poo, what a smell in there!' "'How extremely rude of you,' Grandma told William, "'to go and pry into Jack's private belongings.' "'Jack, dear, I believe you have some incense sticks. "'Could you lend me one or two, possibly? "'I have read about them somewhere "'and feel sure that they would help me with my breathing.' "'Of course,' said Jack, gratefully, "'not even quibbling about how anyone could repay "'a burned-out incense stick. "'You can choose whichever flavors you like.' "'Thank you, dear. "'And, Rosie, if you haven't filled in the background of my portrait, "'could you perhaps paint me breathing?' 
with an incense stick burning each side of me. I've done the burned-up dining room, said Rosie. You said you wanted to be done in there, and I think it'll, I think it'll make it stand out. Could you not add the sticks, persisted Grandma. It would be very effective to have the smoke swirling mysteriously about me, and this may be my last portrait. I think my wishes should be respected. I suppose so, said Rosie. I'll try. In the end, five of them went to Isham this a that afternoon. William had somehow managed to intimate to Atlanta that he would like to show her round the historic castle there. They drove off, with Mr. Bagthorpe muttering something about it being a relief to get out of that house, and leaving Tess to sulk, because there had been no room for her to go, too. She went off to her room and banged the door loudly. Grandma went up to have a nap. Rosie set off across the meadow toward the village for a swim. She went with Mrs. Fosdyke, whose half-day it was. Half-day. Yeah, she yeah. only works half a day that day. It's called a half-day. It gets half-day of vacation. Jack watched them go, wondering whatever they would find to say to one another. The house was very quiet. Jack went up to his room, where Zero was lying by the pile of comics, with his ears drooping again. "'It was rotten luck, old chap,' Jack told him, patting him, and feeling sorry now that he had reproached him earlier on. "'At least you're not sly. It's pretty sly to go hiding in long grass talking into microphones.' Zero wagged his tail feebly. Jack felt depressed, too. The victory of yesterday had already turned to ashes. At a stroke, it seemed, it had become a defeat. It's no good, Jack thought. If I want to make any impression round here, I'll have to press on with the profit and phenomenon thing. He was almost tempted to take out the crystal ball. He just did not quite dare risk it. He took out the tarot cards and played idly with them for a while, but didn't feel that anything special was happening. He remembered that he had pulled in not one vision or mysterious impression all day. He felt thoroughly discouraged and in need of moral support. I could ring Uncle Parker, he thought. Both telephones were clear, with Mr. Bagthorpe and Mrs. Fosdyke safely out of the way. But this scheme was still not without its dangers. If either Daisy or Aunt Celia were to answer the telephone, the consequences would be awful. Uncle Parker might wash his hands of him forever, and he would be alone, without an ally in the world but Zero. No entries to make in the campaign, even, he thought. There was only one thing left to do. He delved to the bottom of the pile and read back numbers till he heard the car return, when he hastily stuffed them back in position and went down. Zero he left behind. Every dog has its day, he thought, and Zero's, it seemed, had already come and gone.